Welcome to Dayspring Church Online, where we share the message of hope all over the world. Our prayer is that this podcast will help you live a more fulfilling life with God at the center. For more information on how you can take part, visit us at dayspringpc.org. I want to tell you a joke. Um, I've told this joke before, but it's the perfect joke for today's message. So... It says that an old lady, an old uh, Christian lady with one of those old ladies with, with, with big faith, a, a prayer warrior, um, used to come out of her balcony in her apartments and just talk to God and pray to God every day. Well, her neighbor was an atheist, and he did not appreciate hearing this young, this, young, this old woman praying every morning to her God. And in one instance, this old lady um, hit hard times and, and she was having a rough time and it got to the point where she had no groceries. She had nothing to eat. So in her morning time with God in her balcony, just in a loud voice, she said, Lord, I need something to eat. I have no money. I have no income and I'm hungry, but I believe you can provide for me. Well, her atheist neighbor heard her talking and he said, to prove her that her God doesn't exist, I'm going to go buy groceries. So he went and he bought groceries for her and left them at her door and knocked and went back inside. And she, when she saw the groceries, she jumped and shouted out of joy, God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so faithful. And from the other side of the wall, you, her neighbor began to laugh. And she said, you silly lady, God doesn't exist. It was me that bought you those groceries. To which the old lady replies, well, sometimes God uses the devil to do his work. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our church family. We thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for humor. I pray that as we go into this message, that more than knowledge, that more than just information, that more than just a good message, that it would be life, that it would be incarnated into us, that it would be applied, that it would change the way we behave, the way we, we approach you, the way we go about prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Your understanding of what God is really like or who God is shapes everything in your life. Who you think God is or your perception of who God is or your understanding of who God is shapes who you, a lot of your life. And one of those areas that, that, that uh, affects is how you pray. You can tell what somebody believes about God by how they pray and if they pray. And there's a lot of misconceptions about God, right? I've mentioned a few of them a couple of weeks back, but let me tell you a few more misconceptions that a lot of people have about God. Some people think God is a grumpy God, that you can't please him. And maybe you had a strict father who was rude, who was mean, who was grumpy, was never happy, never told you he loved you, never told you he believed in you, never told you he was proud of you, and he was angry all the time, and you think God is just like him. 
Other people think God is a cosmic cop. That his goal, that his purpose in life is to make sure everybody follows the rules. And if you don't follow the rules, he's going to give you a citation. He's going to let you have it. Because he's a cosmic cop. But in our days, the one misconception I see the most about God is that a lot of people have this Mr. Potato kind of conception about God. They make him to be whatever they want him to be. And I hear a lot of people say, well, I like to think of God as, and then they fill in the blank. And, and I'm sorry, you just can't make God whatever you want him to be. Because what matters, it's not just what you think of him, but what matters is what he's really like. And I see a lot of people, I was talking to somebody um, in one occasion, and uh, they, they, were, they were making God seem like God is this genie that, that, that you can just pray and he's going to make you rich and filthy rich. And, just, and I was like, I was like and, and she, 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 she said something along the lines like, this is what God wants. And I said, well, can you show me the verse where that says? And she gave me some phony verses and said, no, that, that has nothing to do with that. I go, God is not against wealth, but um, God doesn't promise wealth to everybody, you know? And she says, well, that's the God I believe in. If you believe in a different one, that's your problem. And see, that's not my problem. That's really our problem because we cannot make God to be whatever we want him to be. God gets a lot of bad rap because we make him out to be what is convenient to us. It's important to know the real God. And how do you know the real God? Well, you let him describe himself. The best way to know you is not to go to your Facebook. It's not to go to other people, but it's to really hang out with you and say, hey, I want to get to know this person. I want to see how they really are. A.W. Tozer said the following he said, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. You know why? Because it affects everything you do in life. Your perception of God, your interpretation of God really affects how you live life. So the question we should be asking today, what is God really like? Because there's some people that don't like God because they've had experiences with certain Christians. And as Christians, we don't always do the best example at representing God. And they say, no, if God is anything like him or her, I don't want nothing to do with God. So what is God really like? Well, the Bible tells us that God is omniscient, that he knows everything, that he's omnipotent, that he's all-powerful, that nothing is impossible for him, that he's omnipresent, that God is everywhere, that God is not confined or limited to one place, that God is just, that God is loving, that God is kind, that God is unchanging, and that God is holy. And those are just some of the uh, descriptions that we have of how God describes himself. But today, I want to focus on one of his characteristics and we're just going to look at this one today because I think it affects, the, I believe it affects the way we pray. And that is that God is a good God. Amen. One quality of God is his goodness, is that he's a good God. Look at what Psalms 100 verse 5 says right there in your outlines. The Lord is what? Okay, can any of us say we're always good? Now, nah, we're sometimes good. You can be mostly good, 
And for some of you, you, you need Jesus some, because you are occasionally good. Okay? But he says, the Lord is what? Always good. And I know some of you guys are having some trouble and you've got some questions. Well, if God is good, I'm going to answer them. Be patient with me. Look at what he says. He is always loving and what? Kind. And his faithfulness, what? Goes on and on to each succeeding generation. God goodness, God's goodness is the basis for prayer. If God is not good, we have zero reason why we should pray. If God is not good, you shouldn't pray because you're wasting your time. The only reason, the only reason we are, we should be motivated or one big reason we should be motivated to pray is because God is good. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. And one of the biggest religious questions is, well, if God is good, why is there evil in the world? That's a really simple question. The reason there's evil in the world is because God doesn't force you and me to do good all the time. Because we have a free will. And we don't always choose to do what is right, do we? Do you always do what is right? If we did what was good and right all the time, there wouldn't be any evil in the world. The reason there's evil in the world is because you and I don't make the right choices. See, explaining evil in the world is easy. Explaining why is there good in the world is a lot harder without a God. Because you can't spell good without God. And the reason there's any good is because there is a God. Okay? Now, I know some people say, well, okay, that's fine. But then why does God allow evil in the world? Okay, so, so yes, it's our fault. But why doesn't God do something about the evil in the world? Easy question, too. Well, at least for me. I'm going to give you an, uh, um, uh, an example, and then um, I believe this is going to help you. Okay, if I told you, and I wanted to bring a button um, with me. If I told you, here's a button. If you push this button, you'll get rid of all the evil in the world. No more babies getting raped, no more uh, women being beat by their husbands, no more um, innocent police brutality, no more racism. We're going to get rid of all the evil in the world. If I said, if you push this one button, we'll get rid of all of it. And I said, do you want to push it? What would you say? Yes. Okay. But what if I said, okay, okay. Now, let me add an element to that, okay? By getting rid of all the evil in the world means you got to get rid of all the people that do the evil in the world. Okay, that includes some of your children. That might include your parents. That might include you. So if I asked you again, would you still push the button? How many of you would be like, well, somebody back there said, heck yeah. <laughs> We're going to pray for that person. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but most of us, most of us would be like, I know my kids are bad, but I love them. And I think they can change. I know Mike got his son, he's a knucklehead, and he's, but, but I think he can change. And let me tell you, for most of us, what would stop us from pushing that button is love. What stops God from pushing that button is his love for us. But there will come the day, the Bible tells us that the day will come when God will push that button 
and all evil will disappear. But in the meantime, we see his goodness because he says, while I can, I'm not going to because I believe you can change. Because I believe that through my spirit, you can be empowered to do what's good and not just get rid of evil in the world, but bring good to the world. You see that? So if you understand that God is good, there's four implications. There's four implications to understanding that God is good. And, and, and my goal this morning is that they would change the way you talk to him. That, they would, that, that these four um, implications, that these four truths about God's goodness would change the way you view your conversations with God. And that they would say, you know, because I understand God's goodness and because I believe in God's goodness, I am going to talk to him more often. And when you do that, when you understand God's goodness, let me tell you, prayer is going to become a delight and not a burden. Because for most people, it's a burden. Can I tell you why it's a burden? Because you don't understand God. You don't understand how much he loves you. You don't understand how much he wants to hear from you. You don't understand how good it is for you to be in his presence. So let me tell you those four um, implications to God's goodness. Number one, because God is always good, and you can fill this out in your outline, because God is always good, God's plans for my life will always be good. Because God is good, God's plans for my life and your life will always be good. Is there anything God can't do? The, the, the people ask me that, the youth ask me that question a lot. Is there anything God can't do? Yeah. God can't do evil. God can't be evil. And because God is good, his plans for your life and my life are always good. That's why I love that song, Good, Good Father. There's, there's a phrase in there that he says, you're perfect in all of your ways. God is incapable of doing evil into your life. So where does evil come from, Pastor? From us. God needs no help. We, I mean, we don't need any help when it comes to being evil. We're really good at it. Look at what Jeremiah 29, 11, and 12 says. You, you might be very familiar with this verse if you're a church person. He says, I know, and this is God speaking, by the way, I know what I've planned for you, says the Lord. I have what? Some of you guys think God is out to, to hunt you. God is out to get you. And he's saying, no, no, I, I have good plans for you. Not plans to what? Hurt you. So how come I've been hurt, Pastor? How come, how come I've experienced pain in my life? Well, that's because we've wandered away from God. That's because we've walked away from his good plans for our life. That's, that's where hurt happens. And he says, my plans will give you hope and what? A good future, okay? Now, look at the connection with prayer. Look at the connection between God's plans and prayer. When you call to me, and that's prayer, when you call to me and pray to me, what is he going to do? He is going to listen to us. Now, listen, God didn't have to create a plan for your life. He could have left it out to chance, but he didn't. You know why he didn't? Because he's a good God. 
And every single one of us has a purpose for our lives. We weren't born just to exist. We were born because there was something good that God wanted to do with us. And God has a wonderful plan for us. God has a wonderful purpose for us. God didn't have to have a plan, but he chose to have a plan. Not every ant in the world has a plan. They have a purpose to bug you, but they don't have a plan. But because God is good and he loves you and he loves me, he has a plan for our lives. And the big question should be, well, how do we know God's plan for my life? Well, God's plans for our life are revealed and realized through prayer. When you pray, God will show you his good plans. God will show you the good future he has for you. And I know some of you guys are saying, well, not everything in my life is good. God never promised that. God never promised that everything in our life would be good. Listen, we live in a broken planet. We are broken people, whether you want to admit it or not. Our health is broken. Our thinking is broken. Our hearts are broken. You can't expect perfection on earth. Earth is not heaven. Heaven will come and perfection. We will experience perfection in heaven. But we live in a broken planet. That's why not everything is good. But, but, but here's the great news of God's goodness, even in the midst of a broken world. And that is that God can take the wrong done to us, the wrong that happens around us, and still turn it into good. God is greater than our mistakes. God is more powerful than our poor choices. And that's where we see God's goodness. Look at what Romans 8, 28. This is another verse that many people are familiar with. He says, we know, we know. And by the way, what you know makes all the difference. It's not always what you feel, it's what you know. He says what we know, he says we know that God causes everything to what? To work together for the good of those that what? Love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, let, let me say something, and this is really difficult for me to say because I love people, okay? This promise is not for everybody. Not all the evil that is happening out there is working for the good of them. This promise is only for those that love God and are seeking his purpose. And if you love God, God says, I am going to work even the wrong around you and use it for good. Listen, the more you pray, the more you're going to understand God's purposes for your lives. And let me tell you, I really believe this in my life because the Bible teaches this. If something isn't good in your life and you are pursuing God, God isn't done. If it's not good, it, God isn't done. He's still working. He's working on your behalf. He's working for your good. Even when people do wrong to you. Remember Joseph? If you're following the, the yearly plan right now, we're, we're reading the story of Joseph, which I hope those of you that said, yeah, pastor, we're going to join you in reading the Bible this year. I hope you're, you, you haven't um, fallen off the trail, okay? And if you have, you got to catch up, okay? But right now, we're, 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 we're reading the story of Joseph. Remember Joseph's story? Remember what they did to this poor, innocent guy? His brothers were evil. Man, you think your brothers were bad? I mean, this guy's brothers, and he didn't have like two. How many did he have? 
Eleven evil brothers. Well, maybe Reuben was the only good one. Like, no, let's not kill him. All right. But the other ten, oh, my goodness. Right? And some of you guys, Pastor, you don't know my family. One of my family is like ten of those. Um, But these guys, these guys, they did so much evil to Joseph. Joseph suffered because of their choices, their wrong choices. And at the end of the story, and if you don't know the story, you've got to go read the story. It's found in Genesis. At the end of the story, look at how Joseph responds when his brothers find out that now he's the second in command and he's the brother they had tried to kill and ended up selling into slavery. Look at what he says. He says, we know, uh, oh, I'm sorry. He says, your plans was to hurt me, but God turned Evil plans into what? Good plans. To save the lives of what? Many people. God specializes. God is an exceptionally good God at taking the evil that people do and turning it into something good. That's why I wanted to use that joke. Because sometimes people will want to hurt you. People will do things to ridicule you. People will do things to ostracize you. And God says, because I love you, because I have good plans for you, instead of letting them sink you, I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to show you my goodness. If you believe that, would you give the Lord a round of applause? Now, listen. The more you trust the goodness of God, the happier you're going to be. And life isn't, isn't about being happy, okay? But it's good to be happy. God doesn't mind you being happy. But the more you trust the goodness of God, the happier you're going to be. Let me tell you why. Look, look at what Romans 5.3 says. He says, so we can rejoice. We can have an optimistic attitude. We can be positive. He says, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. See, that's the reason a lot of people don't like Christianity. Because it's a really upside-down gospel. It's stuff that doesn't make sense in our society. Because God doesn't really work the way everybody thinks he should work. And And look at this. This is wonderful. Here's why we can be happy. He says, for we know, once again, what we know, for we know that, there are, that they are good for us. They help us to learn patience. What? Endurance. What you know makes the difference. And here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, we know that that suffering and trials bring pain, but we know that there's a good God with us and and that trials and pain actually make us become a better person. If you never experienced pain, how strong of an individual would you be? Not very strong. In fact, some of the strongest people in the world are the people that have suffered the most. Here's the second reason. Um, oh, let, let, let me make this point before I move on, okay? Everything God does in your life, let me tell you, everything that God does in your life, he does it for your good. Everything. And you can't say that about anybody else. I know you love your kids, but you're not always a good father. I know you love your kids, but you're not always a good mother. There's days where you're stressed. There's days where you're running um, on fumes. And they tip you off and you lose it. You love them and you regret it afterwards. But no one, we can't say that about anybody else but God, that everything he does for our life is good. 
okay? Number two, second, second um, thing, because God is always good, God always gives me what I need, not what I deserve. Because God is always good, God always gives me what I need, not what I deserve. I, I have a confession to make to you guys. I'm a very merit-oriented type of person. And, and God is changing that about me. I, one of the things that, that just naturally goes through my mind is like, okay, how much did they deserve it? Oh, you didn't clean? No, no, then you, you, you don't get to eat chips. <laughs> you didn't come to prayer? No, I'm not praying for you. You know? So pray for me, okay? I, I need change myself. <laughs> Some of you are like me. That's why you're not laughing, okay? So maybe we got to get together. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, if we all got what we deserve, none of us would be here. If we all got what we deserve, none of us would be here. But the good news is that because God is good, he doesn't give us what we deserve. And I'm talking about the negative. He gives us what we need. Look at what Psalms 103 verse 10 and 12 says right there in your outline. It says, he has not treated us as we deserve for our sins or paid us back for our wrongs. Anybody here done wrong things? Anybody here done not so good things? Anybody here been evil to somebody? I'm going to park close so they don't get in their car. I'm going to take two parking spots para que se les quite, and they have to go park around the corner. I ain't listening to Angel. I ain't parking in the dirt over there. Who does he think he is? I'm going to park right in the pastor's spot. Anybody ever felt like that? Right? Right? Look at, look at what it says. He has taken our sins away and removed them as far as the east is what? Now, you know why I love this illustration of the east and the west? Because the east never ends. You can go to the east and there's a farther east. And you can go to the farther east and there's a farthest east, right? There's a north pole and the north pole ends and there's a south pole and it ends. But the east and the west, they never end. And here's what, what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, God has removed our transgressions where nobody can reach them. God has removed them to a place where they can't be found anymore. Now, let me illustrate God's goodness of how good God is, how he gives us what we need and not what we deserve. Remember David? Remember David? Remember what David did? Remember? The, David is known as the man after God's own heart. If there was someone that had the heart of God apart from Jesus, it was David. Remember what David did? He saw Bathsheba taking a shower. What a perv, right? <laughs> you could be a king, but you're still a perv if you're watching women shower. And not only did he watch her shower, he lusted over her. And not only lusted, he ended up what? Come here, baby. Right? Yes, thank you, Angel, for getting ahead of me. And then he ended up killing her husband. I'm teasing you, Angel. <laughs> he ended up killing her husband. Right? And if you don't know the story, you got to go read the story. But look at what David prays in Psalms 51, 1 to 2, okay? He says, God, in your goodness... Have mercy on me. Wash away all my guilt and make me clean again. For from my sins, cleanse me. God forgives us 
and gives us what we need, not what, he, what we deserve, because he is good. See, not only, and here's something that I love about God, not only when we mess up and come to God and say, Lord, I, I know best, but I still kind of went with the wrong way, but I regret that now. Not only does God forgive us, listen to this, Here's one thing I love about our God. Not only does he forgive us, but he wel welcomes us back. He embraces us. He accepts us. And we don't do that. You and I, we don't do that. Yeah, I forgive you, but we can't hang out anymore. Yeah, I'm going to let it go, but you know what? You're going to go your way, and I'm going to go my way. And here's one thing I know about every single one of us. We want to be embraced. We want to be welcomed. We want to be part. We, we, we don't want to be rejected. We are fearful of rejection. You know how I know that every single one of us is afraid of rejection? Some to different levels, but we're all afraid of rejection. You know, you know how I know that? Because we try to hide the worst parts of us from other people. We're not open about how gritones, how loud we are with our kids to everybody, right? At home, our kids know it, but people at church don't know it, Right? We're not open about how, how um, insecure we are or how unhappy we may be about our bodies. Why? Because we try to hide the worst parts of ourselves because we want to be embraced, because we want to be accepted, because we want to belong. And people will do the impossible to avoid their weaknesses, their flaws from being brought into public because you don't want to be rejected. But listen, because God is good, he embraces us. And you don't have to ever fear about God rejecting you. In fact, look at what he says in Psalms 27, verse 10 and 13. Even if my father and mother abandoned me, even if my father and mother abandoned me, for some of us that are parents, you know, that would be one of the hardest things for us to do. We would lay down our life instead of losing our kids. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will what? Hold me close. Let me tell you something. If your parents, if people have walked away from you, God hasn't. In fact, here's one thing I know about God from experience. When everybody walks out is when he walks in the most. He says, my enemies are waiting for me to fall. Yet I remain confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord while I am living in the world. God is good, and he's so good, he doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we, what we need. Here's the third thing. Because God is always good, God put my good above his own. Because God is good, <coughs> he put your well-being above his well-being. He put you being good above him being good. And I know this sounds like a heresy, but it's not. Hang on with me, okay? Okay? Listen, this is the heart of the gospel. If you don't know what the gospel is, the gospel is the good news of Jesus. This is the heart of the gospel, okay? That the king sacrificed his life, sacrificed himself for peasants. You know how I know the Bible is not a fairy tale? Well, one reason... In the fairy tales, everybody dies for the king. But in the gospels, the king dies 
for the peasants. In fact, the only story where the king dies for his people is the gospel because it is the ultimate expression of love and it is the shepherd dying for his sheep. Look at what John 10, 14 and 15 says. He says, I am the what? Good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me and I will sacrifice my life for what? Really? Really, God? Are you really that good? Are you really that awesome? That you being God would, would, would put your well-being above, uh, that you would put my well-being above yours? And God after time and time, he answers, yes. In fact, look at what he says in John 15, 13. He says, the greatest love you can have is to give your life for what? Others. The cross is the ultimate picture of God's goodness. The cross is the, is, is the picture of God's enormous love because no one else has ever offered to pay for our sins. Jesus didn't die for his sins. He died for our sins. Jesus was blameless. He was perfect. He was the son of God. And when he died, he didn't die because he deserved it. He died in our place so that we could be restored to the Father. Now, listen to this. Not only does Jesus die for our sins, but there's also a beautiful exchange that takes place when you embrace the good news. Okay? And that exchange that happens is that he imputes his goodness inside of you. In other words, he transfers his goodness to you. Not only does he remove the evil from us, but he puts his goodness in us. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange... He poured God's goodness into us. Romans 4.25 says, Jesus died for our sins and rose again to make us right with God, filling us with God's what? Goodness. That's why the, the, good, the news of Jesus is called the good news. And that's why we shouldn't be ashamed to, to share them. We shouldn't be ashamed to, to communicate them to people because there was a great exchange. It's the most wonderful exchange that there has ever been where we, God took our sins and he gave us his goodness. And now you're probably wondering, well, pastor, that's a good point and all, but what does all this have to do with prayer? Everything, everything. This has everything to do with prayer. Because what God did at the cross not only makes prayer possible, but it makes prayer something worth doing. Because if God was willing to give his only son and take our wrong and give us his good, why wouldn't he be willing to give you everything else? If God did not spare his own son, if God did not hold his own son back and he was willing to give it to you and give it for me, why wouldn't he give us everything else that we need? See, he has everything to do with prayer. And the way you see God affects the way you view prayer. Now, the fourth thing, fourth thing, and here's the tough one, okay? Here's the reason a lot of people don't pray, okay? There's a lot of people, the reason why a lot of people have stopped praying, Okay? And the fourth is, because God is always good, he doesn't say yes to every request. But, Pastor,
Pastor, you just said that God would give us everything else. Yes, but he doesn't give it to you when you want it. Last week, we spoke a little bit about this, so I'm not going to go too much into what I said last week. But listen, because God is good, because God is good, he doesn't say yes to every single one of our requests. If you say yes to your children all the time, I'm sorry to say this, you can disagree with me, but you're not a good father or a good mother. You're not, okay? No verse in the Bible, no verse in the Bible says God will say yes to every single one of your requests. And you know why, a big reason why God sometimes says no or sometimes he says not now? Because God will never give you something that will hurt you or harm you. And sometimes we think we're asking for something good, and in reality we're asking for something that God in his great knowledge knows that is going to be bad for us. Look at this verse in Luke 11, 11 and 13. Jesus speaking, he says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish to eat, would you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? I would have loved for Jesus to have been, hey, which of you fathers, if your children ask for gummies, you'll give them broccoli? And a lot of us would say, yeah, that's us, right? <laughs> oh, I'm the only one? Oh, okay. <laughs> of course not. So if you, as sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. Sometimes we have no idea what we're asking. We think we know, but we really don't know. Or if I had a faster car, I would be a nicer person. But God knows that, no, you wouldn't be a nicer person. You would get a lot more tickets, and you would probably get a little bit more prideful. So sometimes we think we know we're asking for something good, and God says, listen, because I love you, I can't give you that. I told you guys last week, uh, one of these past weeks, um, Kaylee wanted to play with a knife. Would I be a good, and she started crying too, like, like I had stabbed her with a knife or something, you know, you know, little kids, right? Um, and it hurt me to see her cry. What, what, because I want to be good? Okay, I'm sorry, here, here, is that what you want? But sometimes that's the approach we have towards God. There's a story in the Bible where um, James and John's mother, two of the disciples, they, um, his, their mother, and I, I think my mother would have probably done the same thing, um, they came up to Jesus, and, and uh, she came up to Jesus and asked a request from Jesus, and, and she says, Jesus, can my sons sit with you at either side in heaven? That's a great mom, right? I mean, I, I almost sounds like saying, hey, can you make her throne a little bit bigger and just kind of have them sit with you? I mean, she, she was asking, I mean... Wow, right? But look at what Jesus replied right there in your Bibles. <coughs> Jesus replied, you don't realize what you're asking for. Why? Because to sit in the throne meant that the king had to die for his servants. Right? And I don't think any mother wants her children to die. So God is good and he doesn't always say yes. And when God says no, listen to this, and this is where I really wanted to get to. When God says no, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to trust him 
or you're going to take matters into your own hands. Which one do you think we do most? We take matters into our own hands. We don't trust God. And listen, it's easy to trust God. It's easy to trust God's goodness when everything is going well. But the true test, the true test is to trust God when everything seems bad in your life. The test of our faith is not how high we can jump when things are going well, but it's how straight we can walk when things are not going well. That is the true test of our faith. Listen, in 2015, no, 2016, at the end of 2016, some of you guys know this, um, and if you came in late, you, you didn't hear the good news today, but I'll tell you about them. In 2016, um, during my time to be with the Lord, I always take a time to be with the Lord for a couple of days. I, I go away to a mountain or somewhere and just, just, just be with God. And in 2016, God really imprinted in my heart to, to, to say, Nestor, ask me and trust me for 250 people. Now, you got to know something. It's not just about numbers, and it's not just about my pride as a pastor. Here's something you got to know. If I want to see more people coming to church, it's because I want to see more people experiencing God's goodness. It's not about a full sanctuary. For me, it's about people experiencing God's goodness because when I look at the world out there, they need God's goodness. We still need God's goodness. So it wasn't so that I could say that I'm a pastor of a bigger church. No. Trust me. One thing I'm also afraid of is what people are going to think, right? And the more people you have, the more opinions you have, right? But, but God imprinted that in my heart. And I have to tell you that it was a scary prayer to make and a scary prayer to believe. And you know you believe something when you communicate it. One of the first persons I told was my wife. I said, hey, Lorena, you know, and she's laughing because she knows where I'm going next. Um, I said, hey, here's what I really sense God doing. And she's a good wife, right? She is. She's, she's a great wife. She said, wow, that's great. Let's, let's do that. She says, but are you sure you want to tell everybody and you want to make it public? Are you sure? And you know why she said that? Because this is a scary thing to say. Hey, God is going to give us growth. And what if it doesn't happen? She said, well, you've got to make sure that this is God. And I really made sure that it was God and not just me. And uh, uh, God, time after time, kept saying, yeah, you've got to believe me. You've got to ask me. Is this something I want to do? So in 2017, I began to communicate it to our leaders. I began to communicate it to the church. Remember, we even did a sign with 250. And things were great at the beginning of 2017. I don't know if you remember. Remember Easter? We had Easter in Beachy Elementary, over 250 people. We went from like a church of like 70, 80 adults to suddenly having a, 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 an auditorium full. And I, I, something I've never told you is the Monday after Easter, I was living in heaven. It's like, God, I didn't think you were going to do it this quick. But then summer came, and you guys left. <laughs> summer came, and there were Sundays we were like 60, 70. I was like, Lord, what's going on? What happened? And 
then I get the news from Jose and Victoria that, hey, by the way, we're leaving to San Antonio. I'm like, Lord, like, you know, like influential leaders in our church, you, you gave a promise and it seems like you're going the opposite way. What's going on? And remember, we even hung that sign in front of the nursery. I had people telling me, I think we should put it away. <laughs> and I kept saying, no, no. Finally, for Christmas, they convinced me that they needed to decorate. And I said, okay, for Christmas, we'll do it. But, but listen, I can tell you something. I never stopped believing God. I would lie to you to tell you that I didn't struggle. But I kept saying, God, you're faithful. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know you could do this. Yeah. Because I believe in a God who can change things with one phone call. Amen. I believe in a God that can change things in one day. On and I said, Lord... Everybody else forgot, and I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. At times, I felt like I was the only one rowing the paddle, you know, towards the 250, and everybody else was just like, oh, we're happy here. We're cool, you know? Um, but I believed God. Let me tell you something. Today, Pastor Frank told us that in the coming weeks, we're going to be merging with Mission House. Can I tell you something? You know how many people that sanctuary fits? 250. And uh, when I first heard that, when I first heard that, I fell at the feet of Jesus and I said, Lord, what else you got? <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously, I thanked him. But I said, Lord, what else you got? You're, this definitely can't be it, right? Like, I see greater things happening in my life. I see greater things happening in our church because I believe in a God that is good. Even when things don't work the way we think they should be working, God is always working for our good. So what do you do when, you, when it seems like God isn't answering your prayers? Do you stop praying? No. Do I stop praying because I've been praying and God hasn't been doing it? Maybe prayer doesn't work. No, no, no. A prayer works. I've seen it work. Do I stop praying because, because, you know what, nothing changes? No. I've seen God change. But there's times that God says, not yet. There's some times that God doesn't answer our prayers because he wants to teach us something. This week, I've been sick all week, and I've been praying every day, God, would you please heal me? God, you know, I'm a pastor. I need to be at church. I need to teach. I need to be there Friday. I need to preach Saturday. I need to preach Sunday. I had a really busy week this week, and every day I prayed, God, would you heal me? And he didn't. You know? So what? Do I stop? Do I stop up praying to him? No. Here's what the Bible tells me. Sometimes God says no. Because he wants to make us stronger people. Would you still serve me when you're not feeling good? Would you still preach when inside of you there's mucuses going crazy? <laughs> and let me tell you, I trust in God's goodness. That's why I don't give up on prayer. That is why I want to pray. And I want to remind you today, everything that God does, God does it. For your good. And my desire for you, my desire for every single one of us, whether you're a teenager, a young adult, whether you're new parents, whether you're empty nesters, for every single one of us, my desire is that we would learn to pray and that we would see prayer as a delight. Here's the reason why, and I'll end with this. Satan is not afraid of your plans. 
Satan is not even afraid of your programs. Well, I got this resource. I got that resource. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. No. The one thing he's afraid of is your prayers. Because he knows the power behind prayer. And anything God wants to do that is great in your life, anything that is great in your family, anything that is good for the church, anything that is excellent for your career, it always begins with prayer. So I want to challenge you this week to pray this this week. Psalms 119, 37 through 40. Look at what it says. It says, Lord, keep me from paying attention to what is worthless, like Facebook, like ESPN. Like, how many times can you organize your garage, you know? It says, Lord, keep me from paying attention to what is worthless. Instead, let me live by your word. I want to obey your principles. Please renew my life with what? Your goodness. Would you pray this week? And say, Lord, would you revive my heart? Lord, would you revive my family? Lord, in this new season that you're taking us as a church, would you revive us? There's one challenge I want to make to the men. I've been spending time with the Lord, and uh, I feel a, a challenge from him. And that challenge that I feel is that next Sunday we end our fast. We're going to have a celebration, and we're going we're gonna to have a great time. Yes. No, it's good. You can look forward to that. It's not a sin, okay? I'm tired of broccoli too, okay? It's okay. You, don't, you can be honest. But, but here's, here's um, a challenge that I sense from God. And I sense it to all the men. And I, and I, and I feel God calling us to extend our, our fasting one more week as men. Because there's something that God wants to do through us. And I, I'm not going to force any man in here. And by the way, when I talk about man, I'm not just talking about those that are married. I'm talking about every single guy that has outdoor plumbing, okay? <laughs> Some of you guys didn't get that, but okay. <laughs> teenagers, teenagers, okay? If you're fasting, if you're fasting, I want to challenge you to join me in going one extra week. If you're not fasting, start. Listen, I think God is up to something good. Because he'll never ask us for something. He'll never ask to take something from us if he doesn't have something better. So I'm not going to ask what men are going to do it or not. But I'll tell you something. I'm going to see it in your families. Because I believe God is going to bless families. God is going to bless businesses. God is going to bless relationships. So if you're not fasting, maybe you can start. And and and. We're going to give you a cheat day next Sunday because so I know everybody's going to go out and need. You can go out and have your burger, whatever it is. But starting Monday, you start again. And we're going to see God's goodness in our lives. Are men with me? Yes. Are men with me? Yes. 